0: Ephesians chapter 5. We're in our time of prayer and fasting here at Fullness, and again, for those of you who are new to even fasting as a discipline, we do not see this as a duty or an obligation. It is a discipline, um, which means there's a challenge to it, right? Uh, It's not easy. I don't know about you, but um, I find that when I'm fasting that (laughs) it seems like Every time I turn around, the thing I'm fasting from is presented right there in front of me. Uh, it just seems a, it, there's a real battle. You don't even notice at times, but now it's just right, right in your field of vision all the time. And we don't do it because we're trying to uh, curry God's favor. We're not trying to manipulate God. We are trying to hear from Him. Uh, it's not me, again, trying to uh, get God to join what I'm doing. It's me trying to hear from God so I can join what he's doing. Um, A big difference in our perspective. And so what we're looking at during this time of prayer and fasting is how do we prepare prepare our hearts and our lives for what it is that God has for us. The, The premise is this. The world's model of achieving your destiny, so to speak. And we talk a lot around here about destiny because I believe every person created in the image of God, redeemed by God, has a purpose, a plan, a destiny in Him. And for many people, we, we and the world's model is this. Look, if you want to achieve your destiny, then predict the future, kind of project out there what the future is going to look like, and now plan to meet your prediction. Set that destiny out in front of you, and now plan to meet it, which is again, I'm not, I'm not downing goals and plans. I, I think there's a very a real value in them, but really, God's model is different, as I see it. God's model is prepare, prepare, and then participate. Prepare and then participate, and and I'm I've used it as. It's kind of a picture of a surfer who, who rides out to a wave. And when he gets there, he can't really predict the wave. All he can do is prepare, and then when the wave comes in, he jumps up on his board and participates. He rides the wave. And I, I see that as what we're doing right now for fullness, as a whole, and for each of us individually, is that we're preparing our hearts and our lives so that when the wave of God comes, we're ready. We can participate. We can join in with what He wants to do. We've just finished the Christmas season. love the Christmas time and the candles and the the time with family and the gifts and everything that goes on. And and before you know it, we're going to We're going to turn around and it's going to be Lent and then Holy Week and Easter where we talk about the cross and the resurrection. And for us, it's it's a compact time really from December till March or April, whenever Easter may fall this year. But, you know, one of the things, if you look at the life of Jesus, from when he begins his ministry, he is constantly in a state of preparation in order to participate with what God is doing. His whole life is spent in this pursuit. Just a couple of passages. In Luke 4, 1, uh, it says, this is right after his baptism. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Now, I'm not going to preach on all these passages. What I'm trying to project to you is, is to look at, these are just a sample of passages where it says, Jesus didn't do what he wanted to do. Jesus did what he was led to do. Jesus did what he heard the Father saying. How did he hear the Father speak? He heard the Father speak by the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him. This is the first time we see where it says Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, though he was Spirit-led from his mother's womb. I mean, he wasn't devoid of the Spirit at any point, but there is this anointing. The Spirit descends on him as in the form of a dove at his baptism. And, and from that point forward, Luke and others talk about Jesus, full of the Spirit, directed by the Spirit, did what the Spirit led him to do. Now, again, I'm not preaching on this passage, but where did the Spirit lead him? Into the desert. And again, I, I'll talk, I will come down firmly uh, talking about prosperity doctrine any time you want to. Uh, Because there is an aspect that God leads us into desert times for his purposes and his plans and for our good. And so you may be going through a desert time. And again, this has nothing to do with the sermon. But if you want to prepare for what God has for your life, you may be surprised where you're led. Uh, sometimes you may, be, you may be, some of you have been in desert times, some of you are in desert times, and let me say this, some of you will be in desert times, because God has a plan and a purpose that he wants you to participate in. And almost, if you look at it, almost every great figure in the Bible had a desert, so to speak, experience. I won't go back, and again, that's not the sermon today, maybe someday, but really, prepare If you want to be prepared, God has things he needs to break off of you at times in order for you to participate with his plans and his purposes. Um, Going on, uh, Luke 4.14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee. This is after the temptation experience. Returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Luke 4.18, these are all just from Luke 4. Luke four eighteen, his first sermon in Nazareth. The Spirit, he says, of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. This is uh, what we've called in the past the fivefold ministry of Jesus. He, he's quoting from Isaiah. He, he's saying, "Here's what I'm to do while while I'm here on earth." And, and one of the things we have talked about in the past, and this is a great passage to underline, is that if this is what Jesus did while he was here, what do you think the body of Christ, us, should be doing while we are here? This is a good place to start. The five-fold ministry of Jesus, us doing these same things, both physically and spiritually, um, Preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Luke 10, it says, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was for your good pleasure. Again, the point being this. Jesus did nothing of his own strength or might. Jesus was God incarnate. Jesus, we think, Jesus had this major advantage over us, right? I mean, of course Jesus did these things. Jesus was God. But if you look, how did Jesus do what he did? He did it full of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he modeled for us the way we are to participate with God. How we're to prepare and to participate, and it is by the power and presence of the Spirit. You have the exact same Holy Spirit indwelling you that Jesus did. For some of us, that is a truth. We have difficulty getting our hands around. And we're going to talk about that a lot more this spring. Preparing by the Holy Spirit, walking with the Spirit. We're going to talk about that this morning, but participating by the power of the Spirit. When you examine the scripture, you find over and over again people who were prepared. And when their time of preparation came, they participated with what God had. So we just finished um, the series of Advent. And I talked about, for instance, Simeon and Anna. And then Simeon, the temple, they were... How did they get to the Holy... I'm giving away the punchline. How did they get to the temple? By the Holy Spirit. They were full of the Holy Spirit. They went to the temple. And then Jesus showed up. They participated. They were prepared. Years of preparation for their destiny. Sometimes you see people who are ready for their, for their day. They've been preparing for it. They know what it is. They're, they're going to walk in it. Uh, Benjamin Disraeli uh, once said, The secret of success in life is for a man to be ready for his time when it comes. I'm reading this biography on Winston Churchill called Walking with Destiny. And Churchill, when he was 14, he had a vision of himself leading the nation to um, repel a foreign invasion. At the age of 14, he had this vision of himself. and, And the sad thing about Churchill's life is he did not believe really in God. I mean, he was Anglican, but he didn't only by political means. He really didn't believe in God. To me, it's just a picture of a person who, who, who God gave a word for their destiny. He spent all of his life preparing for what he envisioned as the day when he was going to be. Used. It was, he was in his 60s before he finally achieved it, but there's this idea of getting ready for whatever it is God has for you. And sometimes you know what I mean, that's a pretty incredible word, really, if you think about it. As a teenager, you receive this word to get ready for this. <coughs> Excuse me. But other times, we don't exactly know what it is, we don't get that specific a word. Sometimes you see people uh, in their desert situation, like Moses or Gideon, um, getting ready for. Their time and God shows up and says, All right, now's the time. Go. Sometimes they fight with God. Uh, no, not me. Moses and Gideon again. Both examples. I'm not the guy. But God has been getting them ready for years for their destiny so that when it comes, they participate with it. You have others who launch out by God's call, not knowing where they're going, but just preparing. Abraham as an example. Then you have others who are forced into it. Uh, people like Daniel ca- uh, carried into captivity. He'd been preparing. His participation was during a captive period. Joseph gets sold by his brothers into captivity. He, he, his preparation was not the line of participation. In other words, there's always this idea of getting ready with biblical characters, and then God moves, and we have the choice to participate. And the things that have taken place have prepared us to To join in with him. In Ephesians, we have this great letter from Paul to the church at Ephesus that we've looked at so many, many times. And we have this very familiar passage. And uh, really the first verses to me talk about preparation, and the final verses talk about participation. So preparation, participation. And just to give you a heads up, we're doing three weeks right now on preparation. We're going to come back in February, and we're going to do a series on how do we participate with God. In line with those series of sermons on Sunday morning on participating with God, we're doing a study on Wednesday night called uh, Practicing His Power. So I know there are a lot of Ps. Preparation, participation, and then practicing His Power, which is a book by Sam Storms on how do we we in small groups and public worship and in our lives practice the power of God? How do we walk in what God has destined for us? So it's all going hand in hand, and I hope that you'll join us on Wednesday night in these workshop times of what does it mean to practice the power of God, but also on Sunday morning participate with Him. So the whole spring, really, up until Easter, we're going to be talking about preparation and participation. Here in Ephesians 5, Paul says to the church in Ephesus this, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. These are verses, to me, of preparation, getting ready. And then he goes on and says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. These are verses to me of participation, doing things together, walking in the gifts of the Spirit, singing, proclaiming, prophesying, encouraging, uh, speaking to the world on behalf of the Lord. So we'll look at those later. But today, I want to look at this, these first couple of verses from Ephesians 5 to talk about how to be prepared. How do do we get prepared? And I think in these verses, there are some keys for us. So you may be saying, I don't really know what my future holds. That's not unusual. That's not unusual. You know, if if you could predict, you might be planning in that way. But because you don't know, that's all right. At least prepare. What you can be doing now is getting ready. So that when the wave of God comes, you're ready to ride. You with me? Hello? I feel like I'm talking really fast today. I don't know if I drank too much coffee. I just want to make sure you're still hanging in there. Um, I'm not fasting from coffee. I would not be nice around, to be around if I was doing that. So there are limits um, to, to my fasting ability. So here we go. Let's look at some truths about how to be prepared. The first thing is examine how you're walking. Examine your walk. Uh, This seems simple and obvious, but if it were easy, I don't think Paul would have said it. Examine how you're walking. Here's what he says. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. He's contrasting the unwise with the wise. The unwise does what? They're not careful how they live, how they walk. They just do what? What pleases them. Their preparation is this: I want it, I get it, it makes me happy, I live in it. That's not, he's saying. The wise person examines their walk. He, the ESV and, and King James both say this: Look carefully then how you walk. There's old story told about a woman who. Got her for, hit her 40th birthday, and she decided she was going to really do something for herself. So she went out and bought a new dress and got her hair done and really had a full makeover. And she walks out of the store in her new dress with her new hair and new makeup. She's walking down the street, and she's feeling pretty good about herself. And all of a sudden, some men start yelling at her. And she kind of is offended, but then, you know, Oh, somebody's noticing me as she's walking along and they keep yelling at her, yelling at her. Finally, another man stops her and says, ma'am, they're trying to tell you you're walking in their wet cement. (laughs) The point being, look out where you're going. Don't be so self-focused that you're not examining your, your walk. Many times we do that. We lose sight and vision of where it is we're supposed to be going. Um, a little over a year ago, about a year and a half ago, I was out running, and some of you know the story already. I was out running, and they had just built a new trail down at Lakeshore and a new pavement, new bridge, you know, because Mountain Brook has unlimited resources. The Great Mountain Brook Renovation Project is still ongoing uh, as I run through Mountain Brook. That, that's a joke. Um, for those of you who aren't from around here, it needs renovating like... You know, anyway, so they built a new trail, and, and so I come across the bridge, and y'all are going to have to laugh a little more today if we're going to get through all of this. And I come across this bridge, and it turns, and it comes up next to this road that I then have to turn to cross. So as I'm going around the turn and coming up on the sidewalk, I look back to look at the traffic to see if I can cross. Um, it's it, one of the mistakes in life is always being backward focused, by the way, this is the truth of life. And I step on the edge of the sidewalk, because now I'm looking backwards, not forward. I step on the edge of the sidewalk, kind of twist, roll my ankle, which wasn't a big deal, but I fell down. And when I fell, I I caught myself with my hand. You know, I rolled. It was, I think, fairly impressive for an older guy. And and, and I... uh, I jump up, and I'm, you know, looking at myself like, am I okay? You doing that thing if you're okay? And uh, I was running with Dave and uh, Cheryl Ross, and, and I, I'm like, hey, and they're like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I, I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine. So we cross the street, come to the parking lot, which we were right at the end of the road, and I'm still kind of, you know, taking stock to, to make sure everything's okay, and I said, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. My ankle's good, I feel good, and I look at my hand, and my finger this this i can't even do it now because but this finger is like flopped over and and I straighten it, and then when I straighten it, it flops back like I can't keep it straight, it's just flopping, and so I said to Cheryl, hey, look at my finger. I can't keep it straight. It's flopping. And the next thing I know, she's like, oh, she's getting lightheaded from looking at my finger flopping over. It didn't hurt, but I just couldn't straighten it. So I did what, you know, you should do. I I called Nate, who's a gynecologist, and I said, hey, my finger, that's Cheryl's husband, for those of you who don't know. He's my family doctor, you know, I've never All my boys have been stitched up by Dr. Nate at some point in their life. Um, They don't understand what goes on in that office, but they've all received stitches uh, at the gynecologist's office. So uh, I I called him, and he said, I I think you should probably go to the emergency room, have your finger checked out. Okay, I go to the... Cheryl takes me to the emergency room, and she's lightheaded. I'm starting to get lightheaded. Anyway, the next thing you know, I'm I'm having surgery. I've got a steel pen put in my finger because I tore a tendon, and now... Now it's, I, I don't want to show you because it might be offensive, uh, but my, my, my finger can't bend this finger at that knuckle. It's got a rod in it, so it no longer bends at all. And again, I won't, I won't show you. Um, and so when I was talking to the doctor, I said, and he said, yeah, you're going you to need surgery, you need a pen. And I said to him, well, um, let me ask you this. Can I, will I be able to play the piano? And he looks at me like, Oh, I've heard this joke so many times. And he goes, can you play the piano now? He's a German doctor. He wasn't very humorous. And um, I said, yeah, I can play now. He said, you'll be fine. You can play the piano. You, it'll just feel feel different. Here's the whole point. If you're not watching where you're going, w- examining your walk, you could end up at a place you never meant to end up in in the first place. You could. You could... Spend a ton of resources trying to get back to where you're supposed to be. And part of preparation is this constant, not from a bad standpoint, because we can't get so caught up with ourselves, but I'm just talking about examining the walk. Are we walking with the Spirit? Galatians 5 says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with who? the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit, keep in step by the Spirit. Satan is always trying to get you out of step. He's trying to keep you from walking the walk that you're supposed to be walking. And again, please don't see this as some legalistic deal. We've, we've preached on this over and over again. This is not about legalism. This is about relationship. It's about relationship. Staying close to God by the power of the Spirit, just as Jesus did. Walked with the Spirit led by the Spirit in the desert, led by the Spirit to go to Galilee, led by the Spirit to preach this sermon, led by the Spirit. In the Psalms, it says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He's saying, I want, this one thing is what I want. I want to be in relationship with God. I want that to be the cornerstone of my existence, walking with him, Jesus says in John, I am the true vine, my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. This is a tough passage, by the way. I'm not going to get into it a lot. But he's, he's saying, stay, stay with me. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit... Unless you remain in me. Remaining, abiding, relationship. Examine your walk. Are you you walking by the Spirit? Are you close with the Lord? Are you dwelling in His house? Or are you dwelling somewhere else? Have you gone off path? As the Father has loved me, Jesus said, so high I have loved you. Now remain in what? In my love. Again, you can remain in the legalism, or you can remain in the love. Jesus is calling us to remain in this love relationship with him by the power of the Spirit. And in examining our walk, what you're examining is your love relationship with God. Father Lawrence, in his classic book, says, I do nothing else but abide in his holy presence. And I do this by simple attentiveness and an habitual loving turning of my eyes on him this i call a wordless and secret conversation between the soul and god which no longer ends you should read practicing his presence being in his presence all the day and it's not all about like i got to read my bible and pray all the time it's like this wordless conversation of your soul by the power of the Spirit with with God. Second point is this. Redeem the time. Walk. Examine your walk. Second, redeem the time. Here's the... I'm, I'm in Ephesians 5. 15, 16 now says, make the most of every opportunity because what? The days are evil. The days are evil. It, it, If they were evil in Paul's time, you think they're evil today? At least. At least equally so, if not more. The days are evil. So make the most of every opportunity. Redeem the time, it says in the King James Version, because the days are evil. You know, Americans love time. We are enamored with time. As a matter of fact, most of us value time more than we value money, it's become a commodity. Uh, in the American workplace, that we want time, days off, um, things like that, more than we really want resources. You know, in, in Alice in Wonderland, there's this famous scene where the, uh, Alice is talking to the Queen of Hearts and saying, why are people running so fast everywhere? It seems like people are just running, 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 running. And the Queen says, it takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. If you want to get anywhere, you must run twice as fast as that. We seem like we're running all the time, but we're not really going anywhere. We need to stop, I think, and take stock of how we're doing with the time. Redeem the time. The great cellist Pablo Casals, he kept practicing even into his mid-80s. He would practice four or five hours every day in his 80s playing the cello. And finally, someone said to him, why do you, in your 80s, keep practicing? And he said, because... I have this silly notion that I'm making progress. You know, he's, he's trying to move forward. Redeem, redeem the time. Redeem, you know, is literally a marketplace term that says buy back the time, which is kind of funny because you can't really buy back time. I mean, once time is gone, it's gone. So Paul is saying redeem the moment. Buy back the moment that you're living in. Don't waste the time. Um, That whole thought of carpe diem, seize the day. Seize the moment. One of our problems as um, modern day existing people is that we have so many stinking choices that we spend tons of our time trying to weave through the multitudinous choices that we face. Not long ago, I went. Uh, to, to, my wife sent me to get some chips at Publix. Well, I go to Publix. She, she demands I go to Walmart because it's cheaper, but I, I go to Publix because it's closer and I know where things are. So I'm just going for a bag of chips. It's this continuing <laughs> battle in our house. I say, I'm going to the store. And she goes, where are you going? Uh, I said, I'm going to Publix. No, you've got to go to Walmart. I said, I'm not going to Walmart. She goes, and so we've got this agreement now that if I'm buying more than five things, I go to Walmart. But if I'm buying less than five, I'm allowed to go to Publix because it's, it's quicker. That's our whole dysfunction in our house. But so I'm standing on the chip aisle and I am overwhelmed at the choices of chips. Of chip, I read this week and it was rating the 35 top chips that you can purpose, for purchase. And I'm like, these are the 35 top ones, much less the bottom ones. There must be a hundred chip choices that I face. And Lord, keep me from going down the cereal aisle. I mean, how many possible cereals can we possibly need in, in, in this day and age? You know, I just, my house, we just need mini-wheats and Cheerios. We're good. We're good to go if we can just get the... Anyway, the, the point being that we're overwhelmed by choices and choices. Psychologists have discovered that more choices waste more time. And more choices also keep us from ever making a decision at all. I, I don't know if you... They, they did this study where they, uh, they, they put six jams out in a grocery store for people to test. And what they discovered is that with six jams, people would come by and get the free samples, and 12 to 15% of the people who tested the six jams would buy one. They then came back days later and put out 24 choices of jams. 24. Now people would stop. More people stopped, but zero to 1% purchased. It it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? I got more choices. I'm going to, something in here I'm going to like, therefore I'm going to buy it. The truth of the matter is more choices make us confused. We're like, oh, and you know what it is? It's a fear, that whole FOMO thing, fear of missing out. Oh, 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 if I make a choice, what if I made the wrong choice? Now I got this jam, but what if jam number 23 was really my favorite? And I don't choose jam number 23. Now, what what do I do? So I'm frozen and I do nothing. I do nothing. We We are wasting so much time. Henry David Thoreau, in his book, Walden, has this great quote, and he's talking about different things, but he has this line in here, which has become one of my favorites over the years. He's talking about what a man thinks of himself, and in it, it determines, or rather indicates his fate. But he says this phrase, as if you could kill time without injuring eternity. If you could kill time without injuring eternity. We are we need to redeem back the time. If we're going to participate with what God has, by preparing, we make the most of every opportunity that God gives us. We redeem, we redeem the moments. There's this um, Spanish company that put out a commercial last fall. And in it, they say this. According to statistics, over the next 40 years, you'll spend 520 days watching TV series Six years watching television, eight years on the internet, ten years staring at screens. Of the, listen to this. Of the next 40 years, you're going to spend ten of them staring at a screen. One-fourth of your life will be spent staring at a screen. How much time will you spend with the people who matter to you? ¡Qué guapa! ¿Tú también? Pues una persona muy importante en mi vida. Un compañero de vida de 10. Sí, justo nos lo hicimos antes de venirme yo a Madrid. Fíjate qué lo que lo te voy a decir, pero yo creo que es el único amigo que tengo. Sobrado, amigo, macho. amigo. Un hermano. Gracias a ti me ha cambiado un poco la vida, como quien dice. Y si no estuvieses, no sé qué haría sin ti. La rutina, los horarios. Ves por distancia. Él está en Barcelona, yo estoy en Madrid. O sea, realmente no nos vemos más por mi falta de tiempo. Y Siempre ha sido como una incertidumbre de cuándo será el próximo momento en el que nos volvamos a ver, ¿no? Es una contradicción, no cabe duda. La gente afirma que sus seres queridos son lo más importante, pero la distribución de su tiempo no lo demuestra así. Esto tiene que ver con el modo en que funciona nuestro cerebro. Estamos programados para evitar pensar en el tiempo que nos queda por vivir. Así tenemos la sensación de que siempre tendremos la oportunidad de hacer las cosas que nos hacen felices. ¿Con cuánta frecuencia os veis? Una vez al mes. Bueno, bueno... A lo mejor dos. Una vez, que, yo qué sé. Cuatro veces contadas, yo creo. Sí, o, sí. O, dos veces al año, o dos veces al año. Yo 25 años. 32. 39. Yo 38. Yo 47. Y yo 44. ¿Sabéis que con lo que nos habéis contado podemos calcular el tiempo que os queda por pasar juntos. ¿Ostras? ¿Queréis saberlo? Sí, por claro. favor. Sí, sí, sí. sí, sí, sí. sí, sí, sí. ¿Sí? Poco. Ah, es un poco eh. Eso es muy poco. Qué terrible, ¿no? Súper poco, poco. Eso no es real. Eso está mal. No puede ser. No me imagino no volver a verle Esperaba años, no, sí. no días. hay que hacer algo, hay que hacer algo. ¿Cómo perdemos nuestro t-? Porque lo perdemos, o sea, perdemos el tiempo haciendo cosas que, que no nos hacen felices. Y que no cuesta tanto, que no vivimos tan lejos. que Ese día vale más muchas veces que todo el tiempo del mundo. Voy a aparcar el móvil y intentar dedicar mi tiempo a las personas lo máximo posible. Vamos a aprovecharlo. To think how much time. I don't know if you could read the subtitles very well underneath of the conversations. Uh, We debated about showing it because I should have had Ricardo come and translate. Yeah, yeah, good job, buddy. (laughs) Translate for me. The point being, we think we have unlimited time. We think time is a resource that, well, the truth is this. God is calling you to redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity, not just in relationships with each other, but our relationship with the Lord. Spending time with Him. If we want to prepare, examine how we're walking. Redeem the time. Third is understand the Lord's will. Understand the Lord's will. Verse 17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. In other words, we need, to, we need to practice hearing from God. Hearing from God. How do we hear from God? We hear from God through His Word. We hear from God through the people of God. We hear through God through the Holy Spirit. There are a multitude of ways that we can hear from God. There's this older woman who was 89 who was having hearing problems. Her family finally convinced her to go to the doctor to, 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 to check out her hearing. And the doctor said to this 89-year-old woman, listen. It's a minor surgical procedure. We can fix your hearing. And she refused the surgery saying, look, I'm 89. I've heard all I ever want to hear. Many of us are like that as believers. We think, you know, I've heard it all. I've really heard it all. I really don't need to keep hearing. But if we're going to understand the Lord's will, we have to stop and listen to God to what he's saying, it's when when I encourage you to read the Word of God, it's not this legalistic. Again, I, I keep coming back to this, but it's not like your duty or obligation. But it's a way, one way, God has spoken to us. We can hear from Him through His Word as the Holy Spirit enlivens it. We spend time in God's Word so we can. Understand what the Lord's will. Why do we go to church? We go to church because in the relationship, the community of believers, faith, we hear from God. And here's something really cool. It's not just about what you get to get. It's what you get to give. By speaking and singing and loving, you're you're declaring for others around you the will of the Lord. You never know what you say, how it could impact somebody else's life. So that they can understand the Lord's will. We need to hear from the Lord. The Bible talks a lot about wisdom, the wisdom of the Lord. Uh, Proverbs says, I read this this week in my Bible reading, it said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Wisdom and discipline. Many times we think, hey, okay, understanding the Lord's will, wisdom, it's just like this. I don't know. I call it this little bunny foo-foo kind of mentality that we're going to get the wisdom of the Lord. Did y'all ever see little bunny foo-foo hopping through the forest, picking up the field mice and bopping them on the head? We think God is just going to pick us up and bop us on the head, and now, boom, wisdom. I have wisdom. But if you, you, you read the Proverbs and you look at the Bible, it talks about pursuing wisdom. It talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is to be embraced and to pursued by the power of the Spirit. James, which is a tough book all the way around, right, uh, says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Anybody going through a trial right now and you're saying, Oh, praise God I'm going through a trial. It's pure joy in my life. No, we rebuke the demon of trials in our lives, right? We try, to get about, we try to avoid trials. We try to get away from them, but very seldom do we rejoice. But why does James say this? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Let me back into this just a little bit, and I, I won't stay here long, but we love that. If you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Generously, God's gonna give. Please read the verses before. Here's what James is saying as you back. What do you lack? I lack wisdom. All right, ask God. Okay, God, I need wisdom. How am I gonna get what I lack? By trials, because trials are gonna make me mature. I wanna be mature, right? I don't wanna be immature. I'd rather be mature than immature, every day. But if I want maturity, then I gotta go get there through perseverance, and perseverance only comes by trials. Follow the trail. Trials, perseverance, maturity, not lacking anything, Wisdom. I don't know that I want that that trail. Maybe stupid is the way to go here, right? I mean, if I got to go through this to get to wisdom, then I, you know, stupid is as stupid does. I'll just hang in there. No, we've got to hear from the Lord. We have to understand the Lord's will, and if we want to understand the Lord's will. Then we need to keep persevering through the difficult trials. I need to hear this more than you. I mean really I'm trying to avoid every trial of my life really I' just I spend a lot of my time trying to manage myself to avoid trials and God is saying, look trials are going to develop perseverance, perseverance, maturity, maturity, wisdom. understand the Lord's will and I I promise you, in this world, you will have troubles, trials, but take heart. Jesus overcame, and this will produce in you a work of the Lord. In other words, again, hang with me. I'm preparing. How am I preparing? Hey, one of the ways I get to prepare is trials. I'm going through difficult times. Some of you are relating more than others today, but... Enjoy it. Fourth point, final point. We'll talk about this more in the days ahead. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. Don't be drunk with wine. That's the world's way. Look, if I'm going to, I just want to cope. Understand. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Again, we've talked about this in the past, and we're going to talk about it in the days ahead. Be being filled with the Spirit of God. It is a constant command here. The, the, the case of the Greek in this is, is not a past be filled or even a future be filled. It's a past, present, and future be being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is the living water, Jesus says. If any among you thirst, let him come to me and drink, and out of him streams of living water will flow. By this, in John, he's saying, he even says it, Jesus, John says it in Jesus. By this, he meant the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the living water. Too often, we try to create water of our own. We try to dig our own wells, our own cisterns, when God is calling us to come and drink from Jesus. And Jesus says to the woman at the well, I, I am the living water. How does it manifest? He manifests it by being filled with the Spirit. Here's the point today. <clears throat> we want to participate with what God has, right? I think everybody, I, I find that in fullness to a, to a huge extent. You know, I, I, when, when you, you go to something that, as a fullness event, what I find is people talking about the work of the Lord in general. Sure, we talk about sports and alabama football maybe not this week so much but um, alabama football or you know sports but really what at some point the conversation will come back to what god is doing what god is doing if we want to really participate with what god has here's what paul is i believe saying how do i get ready well how's my walk examine my walk take a moment be honest How you doing? Where's your walk? Are you on the path or not? Examine your walk. Um, Not only that, but then redeem all the moments that you've got. Don't waste time. Spend time in God's Word, in prayer. And I'm not saying 24-7, you know, kind of, oh, I've got to be praying and reading the Bible every single moment. I'm just saying practice His presence in your life. Be filled with the Spirit. Understand what the Lord's will is. And in so, I believe we will be prepared so that when the wave of God moves, we'll be ready to ride. Here's the invitation this morning. Where are you? What do you need to do to be ready for that moment when God moves? What are the steps that you need to take? What is God calling you to? What do you need to realign in your life so that you can be ready to achieve the destiny for which God has created you? I'm going to pray for us. And as I pray, the worship team is going to come up and get ready to to lead us. As I pray, some ministry teams are going to come and station themselves across the front. If you would like prayer to say this morning, you know what, I just, I really need some realignment here. I need a fresh anointing of the Spirit. I need, a, I, I need to get back on the walk, the path that God has for me. I need to make the most of my time. I'm just killing it. Um, whatever the case may be, I, I really want to hear from the Lord and understand the Lord. Maybe you're going through a trial and you want somebody to pray with you. Whatever the case may be, these teams are going to be here to pray for whatever need you have. So let's just spend a moment in worshiping God and praying for, praying for one another. So as I pray, teams, come on forward ministry team as well. Lord, we thank you this morning for your plans, your purposes, your will for our lives. We believe that we have a destiny in you. And Lord, I pray in this time of prayer and fasting that we will be preparing for what you want to do in the days ahead, the year ahead, the time ahead. Lord, I I pray that you will help us examine our walk this morning. Get back on the path that you have for us. I pray that today, Lord, we would uh, make the most of every opportunity. We would not waste time. That, Lord, we would, as we undergo trials and get to maturity, that we we would gain wisdom. Lord, I pray for understanding your will, and I pray that this morning we would be freshly filled with the power of the Spirit so that you can use us as you desire. Bless you, Lord. We love you. We thank you. Stand up with me, if you would. And we're going to worship. If you need prayer.